0: So I thought today we would just like really take the bull by the horns and and uh, we'll talk about how we're going to bring Mashiach, how we're going to bring abundance to the world. <laughs>
1: the bull by the horns, the bull by the horns. My goodness, Rabbi, isn't that the problem? What do you mean? What what do I mean? Do I mean? <laughs> just add everything up, and isn't that the problem? Meaning, um, everybody on the street is going crazy. Uh, meaning Chicago. Meaning Portland. Meaning Los Angeles. Meaning Washington D.C. meaning what can I tell you meaning everything and anyone um, it's absolutely insane so the, the bull by the horns you you want to take the bull by the horns you want to go talk to the uh, the merry makers in Chicago and I'm saying but Rabbi they're not listening to you because they're not speaking the same language you speak they don't understand the language you speak they're not even hearing the words you make there's no possible way you can make a dent in their so, how to do that is the real question. And you're saying Torah, Torah, Torah. And I'm saying Torah, Torah, Torah. Of course, Torah, Torah, Torah. But of course, before Torah, 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 you've got to get attention, attention, attention.
0: Okay, so. Let's start. Welcome to the Rabbi Smith podcast. We have here an amazing, amazing special guest today. And um, we are going to shake you, leave you quaking in your boots because here at the Rabbi Smith podcast, that's our goal. Our goal is not to leave you quaking your boots from fear, but rather in enthusiastic anticipation of the goodness that's coming to the world. And we live in a world, we are seeing the unfolding of God Almighty's abundance in the world. We are preparing the world to move from 8 billion people to 80 billion people. And if there's one person who has taken upon himself as his life mission to make sure that every single human being has abundance in a practical and relevant way, that is Michael E. Gerber. And we have today with us the famous entrepreneurial author and uh, coach to so many thousands of people and beloved inspirer of so many millions here today to talk to us about how do we reach the hearts of every single human being, but we want to do it in a way that's going to be consistent, building momentum, and reaching every person in a lasting way. And we're going to see today that we probably have some Big disagreements, but we are all, Rabbi, uh, Mr. Gerber and I, which we call him Mechel, Rabbi Mechel, are on the same page in terms of knowing that in God, God Almighty's abundant universe, all good is possible and is going to come to be. So I want to welcome you and, and just thank you so much for being here and just so excited to see you.
1: I'm delighted to be here, Rabbi Smith. Thank you very much for the invitation. Um, as I said to you, um, when you did invite me, I said, no, it's too dangerous. You remember I said that? No, yes, it's too you dangerous. did. You did say yeah. that. Yeah, I did say that. You said, I hang the danger. That's Gerber. right. Yeah. You said, hang the danger, Gerber. We're too old to worry about danger. <laughs> let's get on with the conversation. So I said, of course. All right, let's do it.
0: Very good, and I'm happy to hear. And, and you know, when you're saying too old, we're never too old. We see that Abraham really got going at about 96, or maybe 99. And uh, since you're just reaching the, like the halfway point in your life, um, in your mid 80s, right? Well, tell 87. us, 87. That's going to be this June 20th, or that was last June 20th. June 20th. You're going to you're turning 87. I'm turning 87 on June 20th. Amazing! Amazing. What? I was born in 1936. What an incredible blessing for you and for your family and for the world. So what what have you learned after reaching your halfway point? And I don't want to presume that you've even reached your halfway point yet in your lifetime. But what is it that you've learned now that you see differently from, let's say, 40 years ago or 60 years ago?
1: Uh, What have I learned? I've learned, um, Rabbi, that um, most people don't listen. You learned, Rabbi, that what Gurdjieff, do you know the name Gurdjieff?
0: You mentioned the name at once and one of our but that I don't...
1: Gurdjieff said, man is asleep. Um, Gurdjieff's work was all about waking man up. From his sleep, his dire, doomed, bedeviled sleep. That man's asleep, he's not awake. He doesn't know where he is, he doesn't know why he is, he doesn't know who he is, he doesn't know how he is, he doesn't know what he is, he doesn't know where he's going, he doesn't know why he's going there, he doesn't know where he came from, he doesn't know anything. He just thinks he does, and the staggering experience is to discover profoundly negative impact that has on every human being on the planet. To understand, I don't think Gurdjieff speaks about anything that
2: you, Nisabad, Pora, um, uh, didn't, doesn't speak about. You speak about identically the same things, albeit differently.
1: So when you ask me what have I learned, I've only learned how difficult this is. Um, I started this by, on a dare at the age of um, 41. Um, I had no interest in business when I started. But um, my brother in law, God bless his soul, Ace Remus is his name. He just suffered a heart attack yesterday.
0: Oh, my goodness. Should just have
1: yesterday. A- God
0: bless. A- complete and speedy recovery.
1: Thank you. Um, But Ace came to me and said, Michael, I'd like you to meet with one of my clients. He owned a small advertising agency in Silicon Valley. I'd like you to meet with one of my clients who doesn't know how to convert the leads we create for him into sales. And I said, Ace, Ace, I don't know anything about business. Um, How can I help? He said, Michael, you know more than you think you do. Just for the life of me, just let's meet. Um, we'll call him Bob. Let's meet Bob and see what you can do.
2: And so I said, okay, why not? So Ace introduced
1: me to Bob. This is the beginning of my new life. Ace introduced me to Bob and he said, Bob, Michael, Michael, Bob, gentlemen, I have to take off for an hour, get to know each other. And I'll come back and pick Michael up and let's see what happens. So Bob says to me, so Michael, what do you know about my business? And I said, nothing, Bob. <laughs> and Bob looks a little chagrined. He said, well, Michael, if you don't know anything about my business, what do you know about my product? And I said, less than that, Bob. Well, Michael, if you don't know anything about my business, you know anything about my product. You've heard this story before. <laughs> Crap, well, Can you help me? I said, I haven't a clue, Bob. But Ace thinks I can. You love Ace. I love Ace.
2: We've got an hour to kill. Let me ask you some questions. So I started this hour with Bob
1: to ask him questions. About his business, about his product, about what he knew, about what I didn't know, about what we needed to know, et cetera, and so forth. About what his problem was. And so I started this knowing I didn't know anything about business and that Bob did because he owned one. The more questions I asked Bob, I realized that I did know something about business and Bob didn't. And it was shocking to me.
2: They knew that selling is a system. And I found out Bob didn't know that.
1: And because Bob didn't know that, Bob had no way of converting the leads that Ace's advertising was sending to him. Because he didn't understand how to do what needed to be done, the reason why it needed to be done, the way it needed to be done in order to do what had to be done. it became obvious to me, I did.
2: at the end of that hour, Bob said, so Michael, can you
1: help me? I said, of course, Bob. In my confident, (laughs) my confident, of course I can, Bob. He said, what are you going to do? I'm going to help you create a selling system. So Bob said, so what will it take? And I told him what it will take. And he said, fine. So I'm going to pay you. And. You do that and I'll do that. And Ace comes to pick me up. And he said, so what happened, Michael? I said, "Uh, Bob just hired me. Hired you to do what? To create a selling system. He said, what do you know about that? You don't know anything about business. You already told me that. I said, Ace, that's what I already told you. And I already realized I knew more than I did. So that's what I'm going to teach Bob how to do. And Ace was confounded by that. But that's what I started to do. And that was the beginning, Rabbi, of e That was the beginning of this business that I've now created over the years. The books I've written, the now 34 books I've written on the subject. The hundreds of clients I've worked with over the years. All of that started on that dare with Bob, who didn't know what he was doing. To discover, in fact, Bob was just like everybody in business. No, Nobody knows what they're doing. The chaos runs rampant. And the question becomes uh, how to eliminate that chaos. And the elimination of that chaos was to create a system that effectively could be replicated successfully. Every single small business owner on the planet. That's how this all started. I had a dream. I had a vision. I had a purpose. I had a mission. My dream was to transform the state of small business worldwide. My vision was to invent the McDonald's of small business development services. My purpose was that every small business owner on the planet could do exactly what I just said to you could be done once they accepted the premise under which I just said it to you. And finally, to build a business development system
2: that would enable them to do it. And that's what I've been involved in
1: for, what, over 40 years. So when you say to me, and we spoke, Last week, a week and a half ago, um, you were going to change Chicago. I think you said something like that. Right. Got to change the world. You're going to change the world. You're going to fix Chicago. And I said, Rabbi, you can't fix Chicago that way. And you said, Torah can fix everything. And I said, of course it can. But you can't fix Chicago that way. First, you've got to get them to speak the language. And they don't understand the language. They can't even understand what you're talking about. They won't even hear you. And if they won't even hear you, how can you speak to them? And if you can't speak to them, how can you touch them? And if you can't touch them, how can you move them? And if you can't move them, how can you inspire them? If you can't inspire them, you understand. Say that again and again and again and again. So yes, so that's where we are. That's what has to be done. And that's what I set out to do all those years ago. And that's what I've been successfully doing um, in the limited way that I've been doing it with the hundreds of people that we've been doing it with and for, um, and the methodology that we've created to make that happen. So when you spoke to me and I spoke
2: to you, I said, yes, Rabbi,
1: it's going to be an elemental process to begin this. And that's what has to happen, the elemental process to begin this. And so you got to take off your hat and put on your Amica, got to roll up your sleeves, um, get on the street, because it's on the street, all this is going to happen. But it's too dangerous on the street going out there dressed like you are, talking like you do about what you wish to speak about. Uh, something has to happen much more elemental than that. And it's that elemental something that we're here to talk about.
0: That's exactly right. And I want to come back to this point. And just to to give a little foretaste, I think where my response to you would be is that you're 100% correct if we are thinking about intellect. If we are thinking about concepts, terminology, Mm -hmm. and if we don't have a common language, then that's something that's missing, then we have a problem. But I, what I think the Torah is telling us, and especially in our generation of the Bavitcher is he's saying we need to speak from the soul. And our soul directly touches their soul. Meaning to say language is not an impediment. Common understandings is not an impediment. Because we're innately all created in God Almighty's divine image. And that's what's going to resonate. But before we get to that, I wanna I wanna talk about what happened to you in your mid seventies, because and about Chabadimeth, and I'll tell you a little bit of background. Um, you were in touch with a Rabbi Schaefer from the Shmooz, and in two thousand and six in two thousand and seven, I actually had an office in the same hallway as him, and I was a fan of your work, and I was uh, as he was, and I was uh, reading your books and so forth. We hadn't met yet. And he shared with me that you had sent him a letter, a personal letter, um, expressing your, the longings of your soul to be connected to to Judaism and connected to the Torah. And you told some, you wrote in there some stories about things that had happened at different milestones in your children's lives. And you felt that it was lacking from your environment and the people around you, that that connection. And that was back in then, and then, You stumbled across some Chabad shluchim, and you took this whole passion that you have for bringing the enthusiasm and energy for prosperity, for spiritual prosperity and economic prosperity, to bring that into as a tool to the Chabad to from the world. That you called Chabadimeth, and I was married it to be one of the people that was in that, one of the rabbis that was in that. So tell us a little bit about that. What, what, what called you to the Rebbe's, Rebbe's vision? Well, it was very interesting.
1: Um, I got a call um, in my office
2: from uh, Levi Kunin, Rabbi Kunin. And he said, um, Michael, Michoel, you don't know me. Uh, but um a number of our rabbis have been reading your book, The Emith Revisited, and it very has much moved us. And we wonder if you come visit with us to talk about it and how it applies to what we do. And it's a bad. And I said,
1: of course. And I said, of course, because it was a lovely invitation. Um, And so I then met with Levi Kunin. And I don't know, there were a number, about seven or eight of the schluchem there in Orange County, California.
2: In in a shul there. To talk about... um, Uh, the emith and to talk about chabad
1: and so they told me the story of chabad i told them the story about a emith they told me the story about why they were moved by emith i told them the story about why what they're talking about is moving me about chabad
2: and um i said let me think about it and george let me think about um if i can be of any help
1: So I came back to them and said, I think I can be, let me suggest this and suggest this was I'll meet with you on a regular basis and bring an assistant of mine to interact between us to manage
2: the relationship, Feral, and we'll begin And we'll meet
1: once a week and I'll talk to you and let's see what happens. Um, If you recall that.
2: Sure. I recall it very well. That's how it started. And we started doing that. And
1: understand, I just met and I just started talking. And then Cheryl went and did the homework with you. And I came back and met again, and we talked, and Cheryl did the homework, and I met, and Cheryl did the homework, and I met, and Cheryl did the homework, and I met, and Cheryl, and we continued to do that, and do that, and do that, and do that, and it began to have quite a profound impact on the number of shluchim. There were, I believe, about 70 shluchim in that call
2: from all over the world. Quite an extraordinary experience. During the midst of all that, um, one of the shluchim came to me and said, we don't want to have Cheryl do this anymore. We want to do it. And he said,
1: well, I'm doing it with Cheryl because Cheryl and I know the work. And for one of you to go take over for Cheryl, you'd have to be as good as Cheryl. And there is none of you who could possibly do that. Um, with the kind of effectiveness that it's going to take. So we can't do that. And they persisted. And I quit.
2: And that was the end of it. Um So, over the next
1: several years, Lady would come back to me. Lady Cooney would come up, yes, let's do this, let's do that, let's do this. I said, but nobody's taking this seriously, Lady. I mean, if effectively I'm teaching you how to do something, but then you're teaching me how to teach you, you don't need to be taught how to teach you. I already know how to teach you. That's the only reason I'm doing this. That's the only reason you're interested in me doing this. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you're becoming the teacher of the teacher and it doesn't work. Um, Which is obvious.
2: And that was the end of that. Um, I then
1: got the idea that I'd go directly to Chabad, the executive director of Chabad, Rabbi...
2: Kodlarski. Yes, yes, right. And suggests that Chabad take on uh, the implementation of this to be delivered to all shluchim worldwide. Mm -hmm. And um, he expressed very strong interest in it.
1: In fact, he expressed such strong interest that he then said, yes, but uh, it's not for us to do, it's for the shluchim to do. I said, yeah, I understand that. But understand, it has to be led by Chabad International for it to have the impact it needs to have in order for us to be able to start it out the right way. And so he said, let me think about it, let me think about it, let me think about it. And then he said... Yes, let's do that, but let me come visit you in California, and we'll talk about it. And then that took some time, and then he did. He came and visited me at my home in California, and we had a lovely um, conversation, and he said, yes, I'm going to do it.
2: Um, I'll get back to you.
1: And then he didn't get back to me and he didn't get back to me and he didn't get, and I started getting back to him, getting back to him, and and then, and then, and then, and you understand I'm getting older, I'm getting older, I'm getting older, I'm getting older. And finally, I just sent him a long note saying, Rabbi, I took you at your word.
2: You know the expression
1: about, or get off the pot. I took you at your word. Either do this or not. And he came back and he said, we're going to do it, but I can't afford raise the money to it. I said, don't worry about the money. I'll raise the money to do it. All you need to do is to support it.
2: And he said, I will. And
1: I said, wonderful. So write that to me. Right. But he never did. Wow. So then I'm sitting there, yes, I will, but no, and it, it just, and here we are, now I'm 87, going at 87, and you and I are having this conversation. Um, so that's how it happened. That's what transpired. That's the whole of it.
0: Wow. So there's so much in there. So... You were inspired to bring this concept of systematizing to reduce all the frictional loss, all the energy loss that comes from reinventing the wheel every morning and every every day, and especially when you're interacting with people and bringing them closer to God and revealing the godliness within them. You came up with this idea: why not system? And these shluchim obviously saw the benefit of trying to systematize this so that it could be done consistently and the follow-through consistent and involve people in this process, right? The question is,
2: what's the real resistance to this? Now, from the inside, what
0: I saw from the inside and participating with you, was that you had given an ass- assignment. Your first assignment to the shlochem was, write a manual on how to make coffee. And none of these shlochem actually delivered the manual. Now, one of the things that that
2: revealed, was that, and and you shared this with us.
0: If I, I'm recalling the direct the, the details correctly, you would your original company, Michael, the Michael Thomas Corporation, Michael Thomas Corporation, and one of the things that you did calls was the Michael the Thomas Michael Company. Thomas, I think it was Corporation. Called. Is you thought you're going to prepare like standard manuals for everybody, and you have like all these manuals on how to run a company, and you did that. So I said to you, Reb Michail, where where are the manuals today? So you said, I don't know where they are. What do, what do you mean you don't know? Uh, aren't they like in use? He says no one was interested in them. And what that highlights is that as much as we have these lofty ideas and we have these big inspirations, we don't want to be tied,
2: tied down to the
0: details of a manual. Not writing it. What? To the what? To the details of a manual. We don't want to be tied down to writing it, and we don't want to be tied down to having to fulfill it. We all want that latitude to do whatever we want whenever we want. So it seems like there's this, in, in, in the midst of your the brilliance of your e Revisited, you're coming up face-to-face, head-to-head against a inbuilt
2: human resistance to what you're saying all oh, of
1: the human condition
0: the human condition is resisting what would solve the human condition in a certain sense but yet god almighty built us this way to not want to be so tied down
1: hear <laughs> me you know you know rabbi i've been through this over for 50 years, I've been through this very same conversation. Um, and the first, very first step is, it's like, a, let, let me give you a perfect example. I'm speaking to a, a gentleman from Egypt,
2: an immigrant, uh, an electrician, uh, who um, immigrated to the United States. Um, and got a job with an HVAC company. Uh, he's an electrician. And uh, he's doing it, doing it, doing it. He wants to start his own business. Um,
1: and so he just quit and he's starting his own business. And somebody sent him my book and said, read this book. He started to read my book and it just blew his mind away. He'd never read anything like it before. Never seen anything like it before. So he contacted me out of the blue. He said, "Um, I've been reading your book and then I read a second one and now I've begun to read the one about the, uh, the electrician who applied your thinking and created this $100 million company and blah, 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 blah. I want to do what he did.
2: I said, "Wonderful." Well, the first thing to do is you need to listen. Are well, you ready to do that? He said, "Well, what do you mean, listen?" I said, "Did you hear what I just said?" He said, "What did you just say?" I said, "You need to listen."
1: He said, "Yes, I heard you. Okay, you heard me. That means you listened." So I'm going to be telling you very specific
2: things you need to listen to. And then you need to do what I tell you. Period. No if, and, or but. You need to do what I tell you. If you can't do that, you will
1: never do what you wish to do. You'll never create a business of your own, ever. It will never succeed.
2: It will be like, Rabbi, the vast majority of Chabad houses which are in chaos. Chaos. And I
1: call it doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, busy, 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 doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that, doing this. Exhausting, exhausting, exhausted, exhausted in chaos, in chaos. You can't move
2: people with Torah out of chaos. Torah is order. There needs to be order in order to live order, to breathe order, to be order. For your soul to touch
1: the hearts and spirits of everyone you come to touch with. So you need to be able to do the ordinary things that need to be done in an extraordinarily efficient and effective way.
2: We're going to start like that so when i say
1: make a cup of coffee right write it down yes but yes but yes but you understand yes but yes but yes but if you can't create a document that said this is how to make a cup of
2: coffee how in the world are you going to transform the state of the universe absurd You can. So step one is to accept that as a given. I'm here to teach you how. I'm not here to teach you Torah. You're here to teach me Torah. I'm here to teach you about a cup of coffee. If you're not willing to learn how to make a cup of coffee, then don't presume to teach me Torah. It's an insult.
1: It's an insult to me. It's an insult to Torah. It's an insult to yourself. It's an insult to your teacher who taught
2: you Torah. It's an insult. The thesis that we're here to bring to the world. So I'm a very ordinary guy, moved in an extraordinary way. And every shliach is an ordinary guy moved in an extraordinary way. And we're meeting, it on. What a gift So, see the ordinary things that a
1: Sabbat house needs to do every day. The ordinary things, the ordinary things, the ordinary things you 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 understand getting up, doing this, getting up, doing that, getting up, doing this, getting up, doing that. But you understand
2: you're here. What is every shliach here to do? It's been said. Who is your teacher? El Chabad? El Babach Rebbe. Yeah. To bring the Rebbe to
1: your community. You remember that? Right. To bring the Rebbe to your community, the Rebbe no longer is with us. You are the Rebbe in your community. And to be the Rebbe in your community, at the same time, all of this ordinary stuff has to be done. And she has to do it, and he has to do it, and they have to do it, and he has to do it. You follow me, you follow me, you follow me, follow me. All of that has to be orchestrated.
2: Liberate you to do what?
1: To be the Rebbe in your community and every in every community worldwide, to be the Rebbe in your community.
2: It's the gift. And you're liberated to do that because all of the other things are being done without you having to pay attention to them. You don't have to open the door, you don't have to
1: close the door, you don't have to make the coffee. you don't have to feed the milk, you don't have you understand all the silly little things that have to be done to make a life bidding worth possible to live.
2: Cook this, cook that, bake this, bake that. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. all that's a system.
1: And if there's anything evident, Evidence of that—it's in Torah. It says, "This is how to do it. This is how to do it." It does it not?
2: This is specifically how to do it.
1: Sort of like that, but like that. It's—it's it's astonishing to me. You have so many examples of that in Torah. You know, it's shocking to me. I should have to say it again and again and again and again. Because all I'm doing is in my ordinary way saying,
2: it's a religious practice, life.
1: Let's bring your spirit and your soul to the act of doing the ordinary things in one's life in an, ordi- an extraordinary way, every single one of them. And the dedication. To bring to that, and that's what so inspired me when the shulchan called me, that they were actually moved to do that.
2: Such an unusual call. first time I'd ever been called like that. In such a way that inspired me, moved me. To give it serious thought. And then I did.
1: I discovered over the past period of time is that the shlokom didn't even understand how important
2: it was. This is how you make a cup of coffee. This is how you open a door. This is how you close a door. Why like this? Because it is like this. If anybody understands that, I said to myself, and I'm saying to you, you should. They say you, you understand you, the red in your community should. If
1: it touches my soul so deeply when I speak that to you, and you hear it's coming from my soul. It's not just coming from my head.
2: It's so moving to me. The possibility is so moving to me. Who better to do that other than the shluchim in the world? Who better? So
0: in other words this thing is is so profound that in order for my soul to express itself fully in the freedom that it longs for it I first have to be willing to humbly apply myself to creating the the structures and the strictures so to speak to create that stability that will then allow my soul to to fly
1: now let me let me Make one correction with that. No, it's to accept the requirement for it. Once you accept the requirement for that to happen, without any hesitation whatsoever, once you accept the requirement for that to happen as the Rebbe in your community, you will then make room for others to do that. Not for you to do that.
2: It's not your job. But for others within your Chabad house to do that. Uh-huh. To orchestrate that.
0: So it's not that the shliach is going to become the permanent writer of coffee no. making manuals. No. He has to, he has to be willing to show the way and lead by example, but then bring to the forefront everyone else's inspiration to write the manual for the coffee
1: yes to lead it to be done to lead it you're the rabbit in your community you're the leader in your community you're the one who's inspiring that i'm bringing that inspiration to you to bring to them to take them through the process so it's the development of that capability within your chabad house that needs to be taken on whole hunt plus the postage.
2: At least that's understood. Once that's seen, that's what I expected you to see. Once
1: that's seen, you could instantly see the need for it. And once you see the need for it, to inspire the reality of it,
2: to organize it to the degree that
1: those who follow suit with your inspiration, then are being led through that process. For the very reason that I've just stated here. And ultimately,
2: I'm not even needed anymore. You understand? I've inspired the leader to inspire their... And so
1: it grows. And that's why I said I needed Chabad International to take the lead of this, to express this
2: in the way that I've just expressed it to you,
1: to the shlochem who will listen to Chalabat International, who says, now, who among you are the ones who are going to take this on completely?
2: Is the red Bit in your community, and we'll maybe seven,
1: eight, or nine, or 12 of you will take the task of this on to design, build, launch, and grow this to the point where it will expand exponentially worldwide. It was the opportunity
2: that still is the opportunity.
0: Well, obviously, God Almighty is keeping you alive in the world and and going stronger every day to uh, help keep this going. I mean, we we can't forget about this. You know, it's. I think that, you know, we don't have the time to go into all the details, but obviously, something didn't click the first time. And I think that you've tried to solve the problem by going to a corporate level. And if the corporate level will mandate it and endorse it and support it and so forth, that, that somehow that would take off. But that's also not happening because then you're you're in the hands of one man who, for whatever reason, as well-meaning as he is, he just is not pulling it off. So I think we're back to getting back to the individual shliach who will be lit up on his own, by the first message that you're saying is that he needs to see himself as the Rebbe in his community.
1: You got it. Say Say that again and again and again and again, because that's what every Shliach needs to hear. You are the Rebbe in your community.
0: Right. And that's exactly the message of the Rebbe in the Mimer, the Atta that he says that the Mesha the extension of Moses in every generation, his ability to carry out in his impact in the world as the as the shepherd of faith for the people is through the people themselves acting like the extension of Moses in each individual place and being the shepherds of faith, just like him. There you go. We have to see ourselves as the Rebbe in the community. And actually, to not is we're really throwing off the opportunity and the responsibility that comes from being his students.
1: So, hear me. This is very, very simple and straightforward. You just got it. So, here's a very simple offer I'm making to you. So, you just got what I just shared with you, and you understand it, and taking it in. And you may forget it tomorrow, but we'll remind you the next day. Just remember the Rebbe in your community, the Rebbe in your community, it is the stamp of every single shliach, every place on the planet. Understand then, we'll take then your understanding of that and then set out to create that. So your job then would be to
2: assemble other shluchim like you who would come together with me to have this conversation and we lead this forward to make it a reality. And I'll work with you to make that happen. Well,
0: that's an awesome offer. And I certainly think that that's something the Rebbe would want us to take up that offer.
2: Of course he wouldn't. Of course the Rebbe
1: wouldn't. Well, who, who am I to know?
0: Right. Um, well, as the Rebbe in the community, I think he, <laughs> from my perspective, the Rebbe is in, in, he's entrusting us with the ability to reach that insight.
1: Yep. And here we are. And that's what we have to do. And that's how it has to happen. So I'll meet with a group. You select a group. You determine that they are the serious-minded ones among you. Woke them together to make this a reality. Write down what make this a reality means from your perception, your perspective. Write that, send it to me. I'll correct it
2: and get it right. And I
1: will make a commitment to work with you to make it happen.
0: I think that's very beautiful. And, you know, in rabbismith.org, we have a track for non-Jews to learn about the laws and the God Almighty's divine mission and commandments for every single human being. And we also have a track called Shliach 2.0, Raya Mehemda, being the shepherd of faith, being the Shliach 2.0 means that the Rebbe said every single Jew is the Shliach of the leader of the generation. Is the of the Rebbe, meaning every single Jew has to see himself in this role of responsibility, not only to his, fellow, to his fellow Jews, but to the world as a whole. Because the Rebbe's vision and his guidance was to worry about each one of the eight billion human beings. And if we can reach every single person, showing them how accessible it is, and showing them a model of how to be exactly what you're describing, that will spark that transformation of the world that we're all yearning for.
1: So then it becomes a question of how to do that. Um, And that's a secondary, tertiary, et cetera, and so forth process. So one very, very critical thing in the beginning is always to do one thing, not everything. And that one thing is this first thing that I'm describing. That first thing is to enlist the mind of those most serious purveyors of this outcome that we're describing needs to be
0: done. That's fantastic. Now, I know that we could say these other things need to be discussed later, but we are here together and we were prompted to have this discussion because of what was happening in Chicago. And I want to... I want to address that not merely because it's our responsibility, but also because those human beings are suffering. What we see as the, the exhibit on the, on the screen of the type of chaos is a mere glimpse into the moment-by-moment, day-by-day chaos in their lives. It only gets our attention once in a while when it's something, so to speak, over the top. But these people, like all of us, are all suffering in this exile. So let's let's turn our attention now to our, taking seriously our responsibility, not merely to write them off or condemn them, but say, what is missing over here? And one of the things I want to hear what you have to say, but I just wanted to introduce the subject with bringing up what the, what the Lubavitch Rebbe said that every human being needs to know that there's an eye that sees and an ear that hears, meaning God Almighty is with him all the time, examining his internal composition and examining our internals to see if we are using our talents, using our divine energy wisely in the service of our creator, in the service of our fellow men. If we don't know that, if we don't know we're created in the God Almighty's divine image, if we don't know that we have a current now relationship with our creator, then literally, as they say, the expression goes, all hell breaks loose. Because that do anything, anyhow, becomes the prevalent attitude towards other people. And we end up with chaos. So the Rebbe said, the country will descend into a jungle. People will only be afraid of getting caught when there's a police officer on the street corner. And now we could see that people are not even afraid of the police officer in the street corner. They're willing to disrespect him or even attack him, or he's just ordered to stand by and do nothing. So everything that the Rebbe said would happen if we take God out of the schools, if we take prayer to the schools, if we don't teach the nations, the seven laws of Noah, the seven fundamental commandments that are the basis of civilization, is coming to fruition before our eyes. And it's not only in Chicago, it's in every place, and it's even in the good neighborhoods. But maybe they're a little bit more polite about how they do it. So it could be through drug use. It could be through other things where people are just, their their energy is being wasted away. And so the Rebbe is calling to us, as Moses had to call to the Jewish people, and say, this is our responsibility. We need to step up and say, this human being right now that I'm seeing on the screen, he's acting the way he is because someone like me failed to be his spiritual
2: influence. I completely agree with you. I
1: completely understand what you're saying. But hear me when I say this. Um, Until we deal with Step one, it's impossible to get to step 14. I'm not going to walk into the jungle and attempt to do what I haven't done for 40 years. You don't know how to do that. And so if, in fact, there's chaos that exists in Chabad houses throughout the world, and there is, I've seen it every place I go.
2: If chaos exists in heaven,
1: then we have to address that first.
0: If chaos yeah. ad- ad- exists in heaven, you said?
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then we have to address that 1st Mm-hmm. And so I'm saying, yes, but.
2: Oh. Um,
1: we can all get distracted and run off to Chicago or Los Angeles or... Portland, Oregon, or
2: name it, um, or Cincinnati, or San Mateo, or
1: which <laughs> you understand. And then
0: what? So you're touching. You're touching on a brilliant point over here. Meaning to say, if you and I get on the plane right now, we meet in ten hours in Chicago on the streets, and we have a really positive effect. We could speak soul to soul to people and gather them together, and 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 warm their hearts from our hearts. That could have a really powerful effect on those people, but it's not going to become a systemic thing, systematic thing, even for us to implement. There'll be no follow through. There'll be no way to bring them into a continuous relationship, right? But on the, other hand, on the other hand, if we get, if we try to get to ivory tower and we sit and work on this for the next fourteen years, um, trying to plan it, then we are going to lose sight of what we're trying to accomplish. So I want to suggest, I want to suggest that. The fire, and you're person- wait,
1: But wait, but wait, but wait. You, you said something, and I can't let it go past. Okay. You said ivory tower. What I'm describing is not av- ivory tower. Okay, go ahead. It's only ivory tower because you perceive it to be that way. What I'm describing is not ivory tower. What I'm describing is 40 years overdue. What I'm describing is 40 years overdue. What I'm describing is what needed to happen 40 years ago at Chabad. But never did. Never did, never did, never did, never did. And what I'm saying is we have to go back to the beginning again. That's not ivory tower. That's about as grassroots as anything anybody can imagine. So I'm saying we have to approach the grassroots of this. And once the grassroots of this is approached in a heartfelt, not symbolic, but spiritually compelling way, it will lead us through this process in a significantly more dramatic fashion than we can even imagine right
2: now. So we got to... Yeah,
0: that's that's profound. Okay, I stand corrected. I hear what you're saying. Um, And we have to keep front and center both that internal work on the grassroots inside of us. We got to get our lawn in order, so to speak. And we have to simultaneously working on the garden outside. You know, it's so fascinating when you go to the first mimer that the Rebbe said when he became Rebbe, he talked about a garden the basi lagani coming to the garden where god almighty is going to feel comfortable here it's all language of a gardener a gardening and and he's the god almighty is the garden owner and we're the gardeners we're here to tend to the garden and the garden is made up of all these incredible human beings all eight billion of them that's who needs to come to recognize god for their sake now you know today it's very very prevalent crowdsourcing so i'm going to make an appeal to everyone who's watching this If you are Jewish and you hear the call to this, if you are not Jewish and you hear the call to this and you want to help step up to the plate to make this happen and and engage in this rumble tumble of of growth where we are going to throw ourselves with energy into accomplishing what every human being has always longed for, what the prophets always described and what. Michael Gerber is just saying is that the missing ingredient is, A, the willingness, which we're defining as the willingness to see you yourself and myself as who we really are and what our real role is, and the willingness to apply ourselves in a systematic way. And the will, and the will to pursue it. And the will to pursue it consistently to and through the end, which is going to be a good ending for all of us. Then I want you to send an email to info at rabbismith.org. And say yes, I'm ready. I'm ready to join you. And God willing, we will start. Whether it's just me, I hope it's a lot more than just me. But it doesn't matter how many. We've got to reach eight billion people. And it's what what Michael Gerber is telling us is something really incredible. And I think that your whole inspiration of this of this McDonald's thing, you know, you you had this idea of McDonald's, and some of the shluchim objected to that, not just because McDonald's is is um, is not kosher. But the problem that they had with McDonald's is because McDonald's is cookie cutter. It's all the same vanilla, whatever expression you want to use. And it it doesn't seem to really apply to what we're talking about here, which is the fire of the oh, cool. But it's the, I, most,
1: it's, it's the most successful small business in the world.
0: Yes, and, and it's able to reach 8 billion people, literally. Every place has a McDonald's. And to produce the same thing. See, the here's the here's the brilliance of, of the the way that I think it all has to come together. The individual way and nature and expression of every human being's soul is uniquely individual. That's why there's eight billion of us, and there has to be there's supposed to be 80 billion of us right now, but a little bit behind so we're not getting cookie cutter souls we are each individuals who's created for a purpose with an individual expression of divinity in this world but the way in which we can provide each human being with the wake-up call and help support him and her to get to being able to express who they really are that is something that can be systematized and they will then flow automatically with the wellsprings of the divinity that's within them. That's what the means this spreading the wellsprings that each person, the Rebbe says, will be revealed to be an unending source of the living waters of divine inspiration. That is yes, yeah, let me give you let me give
1: you an example of just what you're talking about. Okay. Because I write about this, I talk about this, and I experience this in my own life constantly. Um, I'll be meeting with somebody and um, I'll say this or that or this or that. And he said, where did that come from? In short, I'll create something. Where did that come from? Right. And I'll say, I have no idea. Because I didn't walk into it with that. I
2: didn't even know how it came about that I said that. It just showed up. It's so like, for example, um, I picked up my clarinet
1: for the first time in 20
0: years. Oh, I thought it was a saxophone.
1: Yeah, well, I, my saxophone's broken. Oh, so okay. I picked up my clarinet for the first time in 20 years. Just, just in, moved to pick up my clarinet for the first time in 20 years. And I start to play my clarinet for the first time in 20 years. <laughs> And I'm astonished after about three minutes. The sound coming through my clarinet is as though it's exactly the same as the sound it was 20 years ago. Wow. I don't know where that comes from. It's a gift from God. And when those words came out of my mouth, I'm as astonished by those words as the one I'm speaking to is. It's a gift from God. I say that. I say that. I continue to say
2: that. And you, too, have that experience. You're inspired by, and it says, and it speaks, and it talks, and it moves, and it... And it's shocking. And a continuous inspiration. The mistake we all make is to take it personally. In fact, I own it. The mistake we all make is that's me. It's my ego. That begins, takes it and owns it. And I begin to speak from that. And if that happens, everything goes wrong. So it's it's how to be completely open to what you just said. Unique. This idea that every individual is unique. And I say right now, it's just an idea. Because in reality, every individual doesn't behave
1: uniquely. Every individual acts, behaves in a completely opposite way than, in quotes, unique. So I won't speak much more about this. I'm just simply saying that there's the two sides of that
0: coin. I think it's so profound because, you know, one of the things that, one of the oppositions that came up against what you were doing from shlochem, those that were especially at the beginning who kind of dropped out earlier, they're like, well, who's this guy, you know, Michal Gerber, to tell us what to do? And, and the fact <laughs> of the matter is, you're not telling anyone what to do. You're saying, if you really believe, you're saying to the shlochem, you're saying, if you really believe what you say you're here to do, then I'm suggesting, says Michal Gerber, here's how to systematize it to get it to the true success so you could really, really shine for the benefit of your whole community.
1: But of course, you say, look, I didn't say you're the Rebbe in your community. The Rebbe did. Right. I'm saying you're not behaving like it. And if you're not behaving like it, it's because you never fully incorporated it into your being. Same on you. So how do you become the Rebbe in your community? Not by doing it, doing it, doing it, doing all the little things that need to go on. By Organizing your Chabad house in such a way that it works to support the Rebbe in the community, to support the community to grow in the way you've been brought here to lead.
0: That's right. Right, and every, every Jewish home will become a Chabad house and be a every light home. into the nations, right? Every Jewish home. Let, let me, let's, we're coming into the end of the moments we have here. I want to bring up something that I thought you might have insight on. It's a little bit, it's definitely related, but um, let's, let's see. One of the things I noticed, we have so many great people in the United States of America really you know they they followed your advice so they themselves are inspired into you know abundance building businesses employing their employees and so forth but when it comes to the big picture they tend to be so focused on their compliance and and trying to be profitable and so forth that they lose sight of their responsibility to be the leaders in the united states of america meaning to say while the the country you started off even before we started, you were talking about some of the things that are going wrong, unfortunately, in this country from the lack of moral leadership, and we see businessmen who, instead of taking the the front and center to express what's morally right, they tend to decide to just stay play it safe, to stick not not rock the boat, not turn off any customers, not in you know uh, aggravate the government regulators, and as a result, yes. they they're really effectively helping the building of of the restrictions on our liberties in the United States of America they're they're actually contributing to the tyranny while they don't mean to so how do we and then on the other hand you have people who are dedicated to to the right causes and they you know they're all struggling you have these rabbis and you have people who want to you know, help the world see the truth and and they're struggling financially. So you have people successful financially, but they kind of get disassociated from the real spiritual mission and they keep focused and lose sight and only focus about the money. And then you have people who are focused on the real things and they seem to be not succeeding financially. So where's the, where's the missing piece? And, and how do we get the businessmen to take seriously the spiritual responsibility to our nation? And how do we get the people who are Struggling, but see the right things. How do we get them to be financially prosperous?
1: Well, I'll send you the answer to that question in a document I just completed. Okay. Um, but let me say very simply and straightforwardly, uh, it's because every all of them are missing the path. And I called it the eightfold path. The Eightfold Path is a series of steps, eight very specific steps that need to be taken. The eight steps are, I have a dream, I have a vision, I have a purpose, I have a mission, I have a job, I have a practice, I have a business, I have an enterprise. A dream, a vision, a purpose, a mission, a job, a practice, a business, an enterprise. So they start all wrong. So, how to, in fact, not have a moral
2: leadership, but a spiritual leadership? Um, It says under God. Um, There is very little under
1: God moving the vast majority of people in our country today than presumably did in the
2: beginning. So, I'm saying um, the process. So I'll send you
1: the document, read it. And it's the thesis underlying what I call the new E-Myth,
2: Michael Lee Gerber Companies. And
1: read it, and then you can get back to me and we'll talk about it.
0: I look forward to that. What if our viewers, our listeners want to read more, learn more, sign up for something that you're you're offering right now. What's the hot thing? Where do you want them to go to?
1: Get the hot thing. The very simple thing that every single one of them need to read is the e Revisited. Why most businesses don't work and what to do about it. Read the e You read that book. That was the book the Shluchim were reading. Read the E-Myth Revisited. Um, if they've read The E-Myth Revisited, then read the second book called Awakening the Entrepreneur Within. If they have read Awakening the Entrepreneur Within, read the third book called Beyond the E-Myth. The evolution of an enterprise from a company of one to a company of 1,000. That's what every single person listening to us needs to do. If they've read the first one, go to the second one. If they haven't read the first one, don't go to the second one. (laughs)
2: Does that make sense? Yes.
1: Lovely.
0: Rabbi, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. You should have continued health. Your brother-in-law should have a speedy and complete recovery. You and your family should be blessed. And we should all be blessed with the... God Almighty should see our our desire, our heartfelt desire to scream out and say, Ad Mosai, we don't want to wait anymore. We want Mashiach now for everyone's benefit, for the whole world to be redeemed, to go from the chaos of unfulfilled potential to the tranquility and the serenity that's built into each one of us, knowing that we are in the loving care of God Almighty. We should all experience that now with the coming of Mashiach and the redemption. Thank you. Thank you.